This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. and observing our singing. I got the distinct impression that these are not just songs for some people. That if truth be told, this was part of the soundtrack of our lives in 2023. That our presence in the building today is proof positive that, that God has been a way maker. Our faces are the faces of those who have experienced the miracles of God in our lives. I'm sure if I should do an impromptu survey, there'd be those in this audience who would say, if it had not been for God, that I'm sitting in church in 2024, not because I am faithful, but because God is faithful. Happy Sabbath, everybody. So good to see you in church, neighbor. We continue to be in solidarity with Terry and the family, the Goslin family, as they grapple with the reality of our brother going to sleep, and gone to, gone to sleep. We, we know, based on our interaction with him and the family, that He's gone to sleep with the hope that there is in Jesus. And so even as we mourn with those who mourn, we do so with the hope that there is in the one who got up from the grave. I'm here to say that I serve a risen Savior. Amen. It's a privilege to be worshiping God. This is the first Sabbath of the year. As we continue in worship with the study of the Word, we believe that the Word of God must be given supremacy in the service. As we worship God with our singing and with our gifts and with our prayers, God responds through His Word. Amen? So we turn our attention to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, and our port of call for today, 35 through to 38. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, 35 to 38. The New King James Version's rendition of Scripture reads, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness. How many sickness? How many? Every sickness. And every disease among the people. But when he saw, when he what? When he what? When he what? 
when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, verse 37, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is the word of God, and even in 2024, neighbor, I still believe it. As we look at these verses today, we'll do so through the prism of the singular word, reach. Reach. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the clear evidences of your presence in the service. And as we continue now with the study of your word, we pray that you will remove every distraction, you'll arrest our attention, you'll stop by every heart and every mind. You'll speak to me and through me, in spite of me, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers a few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, neighbor, in these four verses, Matthew presents us with a summary of sorts of the threefold ministry and mission of Jesus. Note that he says in verse 35 that Jesus went about all the cities and towns teaching, preaching, and healing. Teaching, preaching, and healing. Teaching, preaching, and healing. Note, Jesus not only healed, but Jesus taught and preached. Let me say to this side, that Jesus not only healed, but Jesus taught and preached. Jesus was not only interested in restoring physical health and vitality, but Jesus was foremost interested in us understanding what God's purpose, yea, God's revelation is. And so Jesus preached and he taught. You know, neighbor, I do believe that when we come to worship, we must seek to connect with God through our emotions. Amen? That there is nothing wrong in getting our praise on, but we must ensure that, that when we come to the worship service, we experience the teaching of the word. Amen? We experience the preaching of the word. Because I've lived long enough to know that emotions are, are transitory things, but the word of God will last forever. And so Jesus healed, but he also taught and preached. Now it can be argued and is argued by some that the phrase 
all cities and villages is a, is a hyperbole, a hebristic hyperbole, as some scholars observed that there were over 200 villages in Galilee and that it would be near nigh difficult and impossible for Jesus to have visited all of them during his brief one-year Galilean ministry. And so there are those who believe that, 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 that Matthew's use of the, the phrase all cities and villages is, a, is an exaggeration. It's a hyperbole. However, allow me to suggest that this hyperbole of, of, of Matthew demonstrates the wide reach and range of the ministry of Jesus, but also its inclusive nature. That the ministry of Jesus had a wide reach and range, but it was also inclusive. And hey, church, as we seek to do ministry for him in 2024, we must ensure that, that our ministry reach is wide and, and that the range is a long range. I know that we live in the age where we talk about targeted audiences, where we try to pitch the gospel to, to a certain audience, and, and where, whereas that may have some application, we must ensure that, that, that our ministry reach is not limited to just one people group. Come on, say amen. That as we, as we proclaim the Word of God, as we teach the Word of God, as we share Jesus, that we are inclusive in our approach. And I thank God that I'm part of a church family that is inclusive. Come on, say amen. As we seek to connect people to Jesus, we're open. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter your cultural upbringing. It doesn't matter the hue of your skin. It doesn't matter the, 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 your mother tongue. As long as you are within our reach, we'll seek to connect you with Jesus. It's important for us to be inclusive in our approach, in our planning, and in our programming, and yea, even in our language. You know, I'm very careful as to when I get on stage, the way I communicate, I, I do not communicate in my mother tongue <laughs> because half of you would not understand. You need an interpreter. You know what I mean? I ensure that I communicate in a way that you can all relate. And so, neighbor, even as we share the gospel of Christ, even as we minister to the unreached, we must do so in a manner that is inclusive. Amen? May I declare that the church is not some uh, exclusive country club for saints, but it's an inclusive place for sinners. Come on, say amen. And so, the ministry of Jesus... As Matthew talks about all cities and villages was wide-ranging and, and wide-reaching, it was also inclusive. So whether cities or villages or on the streets or in the synagogues, with every opportunity our Lord presented the gospel of the kingdom, Jesus' neighbor was an equal opportunity provider of the gospel. He did not discriminate, and I say amen. His mission ministry was to all. And then in verse 36, Matthew notes, but when he, Jesus, 
saw, when he what? What's that word? When he what? When he saw, when he saw the multitudes. Verse 36, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. I want to unpack that for a bit. I want us to stay here for a few minutes. Matthew said, Jesus saw the multitudes. This was more than a sweeping survey of the varied faces in the crowd. This was not some opaque observation by our Lord. As Jesus looked out on this vast sea of humanity, he saw individual stories and lies. This was not just some crowd. These were people in need of him. He saw them. Stay with me. Jesus personalized them. Let me ask you, church, what are you looking at? Or better still, who are you looking at? Do you see people? I'm not talking about dead people now. Do you see people? Or do you, be, or do you look beyond people? Do you see people, but do you see them only as projects or parts of your goals or your strategic plans? Do you see people? Do you see me? You see, as human beings, we want to be seen. It's the reason your grandchildren and even some grandmothers are now on, on, in on the act. It's the reason they're on TikTok. People are TikToking because they want to be seen. Hello. As human beings, we want to be seen. In other words, we want our personhood to be both recognized and validated. Do you see people? Or do you see past them? And don't get it twisted. I'm not talking about the so-called 15 minutes of fame here. It's about you embracing my humanity. And it is possible, even in church, for us just to see the five or six friends we always meet with and don't see people. It's possible, even in church, for us to look at our plans and our programs and our strategies and not see people. We can be so concerned about our policies and our procedures that we don't see people. Jesus saw the crowd. He saw people. You know, one of the strategies employed by the adversary is to dehumanize folks. One of the wiles of the devil is to try to make me see you as less than human. Stay with me. And for those of us who are conversant with with a history of slavery, we know that this was employed during slavery. The slaves were treated as property. They were treated as chattel. They were treated as less than human. They were dehumanized. You see, if I see you as less than human, then I can treat you any way I want. Let me say to somebody here, maybe courting, maybe dating, don't let anybody dehumanize you. Amen? 
I don't care how tall and dark and handsome he is. I don't care if she's got the best hips, lips, and fingertips. Don't let anybody dehumanize you. Your value is not based on your zip code. It's not based on the hue of your skin. It's not based on your job. Your value is based on the fact that you are created in the image of God and that Jesus died on the cross for you. The devil tries to dehumanize. He tries to deny your humanity. He tries to make you less than. He he tries to to say you're, you're not that important. We can overlook you. I can treat you any way I like if I deny your humanity. As a matter of fact, there are folks, praise God, nobody in Plantation Church who have a higher regard for their pets than for people. There are folks who treat the, the pet better than they treat the help. Hello? Because they value the pet and they dehuman. Do you see me, neighbor? And right now, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I see you. Come on, tell your other neighbor, neighbor, I see you. Do you see me? Do you recognize my humanity? Do you recognize I'm not just some other person sitting in the pews, but I'm someone for whom Jesus died? One of the things I've challenged, we've challenged ourselves as leaders, and I note that most of, if not all the leaders are converts to this, is that I've challenged the leaders not to sit in the same, same bench every Sabbath, but to sit in different places. Because I've come to know in church that if you sit on the same bench every Sabbath, you're likely to sit among the same five, six people, and that becomes your group. And that's the, the friends that you see. But, but, but when we come to church, and one of the things that, that we, are, we are intentional about Elonic is that every person who comes on this campus, who walks through those doors, will be seen. That's the reason we're, we're pushing and encouraging the life groups, because we know that people can get lost in a crowd. We know that some people can hide in plain sight. We want to ensure that you are seen I see you. Matthew continues that when Jesus saw them, or rather because he saw them, Matthew said that he was moved with compassion for them. The word here used for compassion describes a gut feeling. It describes a movement of the bowels that describe that something happened in here. When Jesus saw the sea of humanity, when he saw their plight, it moved him. You know, dear friends, we can be so exposed to all the, the device and danger and, and ills and wickedness in the society that we become callous. It can make us become desensitized. We are desensitized from from connecting to the human experience. The Bible said that Jesus was moved with compassion. You know, someone said that compassion, listen to this carefully, that compassion involves so identifying 
with the situation of others that one is prepared to act for their benefit. Let me read it again. That compassion involves so identifying with the situation of others that one is prepared to act for their benefit. Jesus was moved with compassion. He was not just having watched this neighbor pity on them. It was not just pity. Our Lord connected to them and connected to their situation and hence he acted for their benefit. You see, the mission and ministry of Jesus was not about some abstract plan that was laid out in the councils of heaven. It was not about him pursuing and checking the box as he went. You see, Jesus, as he went about his mission and his ministry, he was pursuing people for the kingdom. It's about the people that Jesus has called us to reach. And if we're not careful, sometimes, as a body of Christ, we can care more about our, prog our programs, our projects, than we care about people. As a matter of fact, some of us can care more about our policies than we about people. Or we can care more about our protocol than we care about people. Talk about inclusive. You see... I thank God. I don't want to make it clear here. I'm on tape. You can, you can watch it. It's for history. That, that, that Pastor Rose dressing in a suit is a cultural habit. This is not the requirement in coming to church at plantation. Amen? Praise God. You see, God is as much as with me when I come in, in a suit or I'm wearing a T-shirt. Because God is not so much concerned with what I put on. He's concerned with what is in my heart. We can get so distracted by the externals. Now, don't, don't, don't get me. Don't, don't get it twisted. It is true that the ushers will, will stop you at the door if you try to enter in a bikini. <laughs> right? Sometimes we can set up all these requirements, you know, and, 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 and people got to know when to stand, stand and when to sit and all the protocol that we like to go through and all the litany and, 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 and it becomes wary and it loses its meaning and we start to drive people away and we can get so engrossed in the thing, man, that we forget the reason we're doing it in the first place. Because we value our programs more than people. We value our protocols more than we value people. We value our dress codes and we value, we value our policies more than people. Jesus was not about the protocol. He was not about a policy. He was about pursuing people for the kingdom of God. And Matthew said when he saw the people, he was moved with compassion. Jesus saw that they were wary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He saw that they were fainting, that they were destitute, that they were vexed, that they were weary. He saw that they wanted help for their souls. He saw all the people, the leaders of the day, yea, the scribes and the Pharisees that filled the people with vain notions. The leaders had burdened the people with the tradition of the elders. 
The leaders had deluded the people into many mistakes. They're not acquainted with their, with their, their, their need. So the people fainted. The leaders then had, they were leaders who pretended rather to be shepherds. They're really not shepherds. They were shepherds who were fleecing the flock instead of feeding the flock. These were leaders who would try to get how much they could get, try to see how much they could get about over what they could give. It was not about what they could offer, but about what they could gather for themselves. These so-called leaders were in it for themselves, taking advantage of the folks. I'm still amazed by how some folks on limited budget, limited income, still give their, their hard-earned dollars to multi-millionaire preachers. Still give their, their hard-earned dollars to billionaire politicians. It amazes me. I give for the cause and, oh, you, you need to sow your seed, they tell you. And people, they, 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 they buy into that and, and not realize that, that some of these so-called leaders, they are in it for themselves. Jesus saw that the folks had no real leaders, no real shepherds. You see, the good shepherd cares for the life of the sheep. And then turning to his disciples, Jesus said in verses 37 and 38, they the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I want you to observe, neighbor, how Jesus now shifts the metaphor in the narrative. He shifts the, the metaphor from flock to field, from flock to field, as he helps his disciples to envision a vast crop of ripened grain that is in need of harvesters. He says, when I look out, the harvest is plentiful, but we've got a labor shortage. The laborers are few. We still have in most, if not all, of our churches today, we still have 20% of the folks doing 80% of the work. We still have folks who just show up for a few minutes or so, get their praise on, and then they're through the door until the following week. And I'm here to tell you that God is calling you to greater than that. God looks out and he says, the harvest is plentiful. There are folks there that they would, they, they would accept Jesus if only the laborers would go into the field. What is the solution, Jesus? He says in verse 38, Pray the Lord of the harvest so that he would send out laborers into his harvest. You see, when, when Jesus says to his disciples that they must pray to the Lord of the harvest, he was not suggesting that God, that God will only grant a bountiful harvest if they prayed. No, what he was saying is, as you connect with God through prayer, 
you will connect to God's will and you will be convicted in your own hearts and then you will have, you will assume rather the personal responsibility to be a co-laborer with God. In other words, Jesus says, the field is white, the harvest is plentiful. Pray that God will convict you to be a, a laborer for him. God will convict you to be a laborer for him. You know, the synoptic gospels all record that Jesus called the 12, but Luke in chapter 10 of his gospel recalls that Jesus appointed 70 disciples and sent them out two by two. You see, neighbor, God will always use the, hum the human agent in the salvation of souls. I've had discussions with people before and they tell me, oh, until, un, until God comes down and tell me, unless an angel come down, comes down from heaven and tell me, it won't happen. And, I, and I've always said to them, that will never happen because God will always use the human agent. Acts Cornelius in the book of Acts. He was, he was there praying and, and the angel came to him and that angel did not give Cornelius a Bible study, but the angel sent him to Peter who was still struggling with his prejudices, he, he sent him to the human agent. Because God will always use the human agent. Allow me to suggest that there are three things. How many things? How many things? Three things. It's, it's a new year, but I still have my old tricks. I'm a one-trick pony. There's three things. Three things that we have to be aware of as we seek to reach others for Christ. The first thing is, we must have an, aware, uh, an awareness of human need. Of what? Of human need. If we must reach others for Jesus, we must have an awareness that every human being needs Jesus. It doesn't matter how they may look like they have it together. There is a need for God that only God can fill. Every human being needs the Lord. The second, the second thing we've got to be aware of if we must reach others for Jesus is that we must have an awareness of our redemptive mission. Our mission is redemptive. Listen, by redemptive I mean our mission is not to straighten people out. Our mission is not to win some biblical debate. Our mission is, is, not to, is not to change their diet and change their way of dress. Our mission is to point them to Jesus. One preacher said that when we come to Jesus as believers, he makes us fishers of others. And he said it this way, that Jesus calls us to fish for people. He never calls us to clean them up. But we want to clean them up before they get here. We want to give them all the qualifications before they get in. No, Jesus has called us to call them to himself. Ours is a redemptive mission. And finally, we must have an awareness of our divine purpose. Neighbor, I believe that God has brought you into the congregation of the saints, not just that you can get your praise on, but that God has brought you into the congregation of the saints because God wants to use you to reach somebody for him. And so in closing, here's a synopsis. 
all this hooting and hollering I've been doing, here it is. Here's what it all means. Here it is. It is this, that Jesus invites every believer to be a co-laborer with him and his Father for the salvation of souls. You see, neighbor, true discipleship is defined by being actively engaged in bringing others to him. Our Christian walk is strengthened and renewed as we are engaged in seeking the loss for Christ. The reason we become, some of us, anemic Christians is because we're not actively engaged in ministry for Jesus. And this year, as you've heard during the service, our theme for this year is a singular word, reach. We talk about loving others and loving God and making disciples. And we talk about connecting with God and connecting with each other and connecting with those that he's, 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 he's sent us to reach for him. We'll be challenging you as a congregation this year. As a leadership, we believe that, that God has a work for us to do this year to expand the kingdom of God. And we're looking for those who will say, like the prophet Isaiah, here I am, Lord, send me. And so our ushers have these cards. And we're calling you for a decision today. We're calling you for a commitment in three areas. How many areas? Three areas. A commitment to connect to God. A commitment to connect with a fellowship of the saints and a commitment to connect or make disciples of those Jesus came to reach. So as the ushers hand these cards out, go ahead. Hopefully we have enough. FYI, you won't be able to leave church unless you have one of these cards. <laughs> But three commitments. Commitment to loving God. What does it mean? It means that you, you're committing this year to spend some time with God in prayer and Bible study. In other words, we want you to commit to spending whether one hour or two hours, whatever the time is, that you're saying, Lord, I'm going to spend quality time with you. If, if you're already doing it, put it down. It's an affirmation. That's what it means to be committed to God. And, and next week, this coming Wednesday, I think it is, Elder Angela, we, we start our 10 days of prayer as we seek to connect with God because the truth is, if we must reach others for Jesus, we must first be connected to Him. Amen? And that connection, neighbor, is not something that happens only on the weekend. And so we ask you to take a card. You don't have to do it right now, but we ask you to, to pray over it. Perhaps while they're, they're getting ready for Sabbath lunch as Martha is reheating the veggie fish as you're waiting for that, spend some time on this card. The second commitment that we're calling you to is is to deepen your connection with the church family. 
And we're providing the life groups for you to be part of. We're providing different opportunities for you. As you know, Pastor Kevin will be our lead on, on establishing the life groups. We believe that God has called us to do life together as a church. Amen? For you to help me grow and for me to help you grow as we seek to reach others for Jesus. And then finally, we're asking to make a commitment to making disciples. And here's what that means. We're asking you, by sunset, for you to ask God to place on your heart at least three persons that you'll be praying for in 2024. At least three persons. Three persons who have not yet known the joy of a surrendered life to Jesus. Whether they're friends or family or co-workers, even if they're enemies, that you will pray to God and be open for Him to use you to reach them. Three names. Three names. Three names. There are ways that you can do it. Ways that you can do it. I share my own story in closing. Some of you know we, after some 15 months, we finally had our, our house completed last year. We had the joy of seeing a house built from the ground up. And at different phases, the builder would call us in to look at the phase and walk us through what was happening, what had happened, what was the next step. But when we got to the point about two months before closing, we decided, Christine and myself, that we would, we would meet our neighbors to our, in front of us, side of us, and behind us. As a matter of fact, it's, 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 it's a good thing in terms of security to know the people who live near to you, amen. Good thing to know your neighbors. And so we went and introduced ourselves as, you know, we'll be coming into the community and try to get to know folks. And then this past Christmas canoe, we decided to just send out some stuff to our neighbors. They weren't anything expensive. Well, we didn't get them at a dollar store, but, you know, they weren't that expensive. <laughs> That's these Christmas, you know, to our neighbors. And then we got an invite from one of our neighbors to her New Year's Eve party. And we decided, Christine and I, that we would go, we'd go. But we showed up, Elder Barbara, we showed about 10.30 because, you know, we didn't want to look desperate. So we, we got there at 10.30. Yeah. Got there at 10.30. And, and, and then they showed us a spread. Now, now I, I must tell you that, that most of the stuff on the spread was against Leviticus chapter 11. A lot of stuff there. And I'm trying to sort it out, Pastor Mike, okay. What's kosher, what's not, what's, you know. And I'm trying to, and they're observing, and they, and they, and they say, they say, Brother Henry, you, what do you guys eat? But I found a way, Nick, to, to kind of shift some of the shellfish and took something out, you know, and, you know. Prayed over it in Jesus' name. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's what goes in the man, not what comes, yeah, but, what comes out, what goes out. Yeah, right? And so we, you know, started talking and bantering and back and forth. And, and then came that question that sometimes, quite frankly, Joe, I'm nervous about. So what do you do? 
what do you do? Because, you know, sometimes you tell them you're a pastor. Oh. And so I had in my head, you know, a few years ago, I'd come up with this clever response, something that said that I'm a spiritual leader and motivator. <laughs> and the Spirit said, no, don't use that, don't use that, don't use that. I said, I'm a pastor. And as we were getting ready to leave, they, Christine turned to them and, and they said, will you pray for us? Will you pray for us? We prayed. God gave that commission. Here is why. Because we endeared ourselves to them. If we must reach people for Jesus, we've got to endear ourselves to them. Here's the question. I mean, I have to confess, you know, my, some of you know, my, my wife, Christine, she's a social butterfly. She, you know, Christine not only got their names, she got middle names and date of birth. Folks started getting suspicious. You see what the FBI was going on? And so I know, and I make it a point of duty to know my neighbors and pray every day that God will give me opportunity as I'm cutting the grass, as, as I'm, I'm not just saying hi to them. I remember one neighbor. He, I went over just to say, you know, hi and see how he's doing and all. And then he invited me in for a drink. It was not a drink of water. And I, I passed Luke. I said, no. That's strange. Now, I, I couldn't pray over that one, but the point we're making is there's somebody who God wants to use you to reach. Amen. I want God to use me this year. How about you? Stand with me to your feet as we close. FYI, we do have our small group, our life groups. If you want to know what life groups is about, we'll give an introduction to you. You can meet in the fellowship hall. We'll break, break bread. Pastor Kevin will be facilitating that. But we really believe that as our church grows, larger the church must get smaller that is that you must we want you to connect in groups we don't want people to come through the doors and not be seen not be seen you want every person who comes in this church kirk we want everyone to be seen we want them to be seen let's pray together father we thank you so much for jesus we thank you for the mission that you've entrusted to us. And quite frankly, Lord, you know sometimes it's intimidating. But remind us as we, as we commit to you, as we submit to you, as you fill us with your spirit, that we're able to do all things. Help us to remain open for you to use us, for you to use us for your glory. As we go through these cards in the next few minutes or the next few hours, may your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts and to our minds. 
place on our hearts those three or more persons that you'd want for us to pray for and position us for to reach them for you. We pray for that man, that woman, that boy, that girl watching or in-house. That person was not yet known the joy of full surrender. That even now, through the ministry of your Holy Spirit, you speak to that heart and to that mind. Lead them to you, we pray. We bless you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.